Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today is the 14th of January. We're almost in the middle of the month of the first year. It's so cool. I love that feeling of new and energy just jumping around and going forward and jumping backwards and, you know, us just facing things one thing at a time and enjoying life while we are doing it. And today I woke up and I have to leave um, my area and go out to another area and it's about an hour away today, but it's like really cold outside. And I know it sounds funny, but I know it's warm in some places on the East Coast right now, but it is, um, I think like 43 degrees where I'm going and I'm like, oh, I better wear layers. And I thought, gosh, you know, how different your blood changes when you live in different regions of the country. But we don't change very much when it comes to love. We can change with weather. All the different moving parts can change. But we don't change. One thing that's been consistent throughout our lifetimes, throughout the lifetimes before us and will continue with the lifetimes after us, is how we deal with ourselves. At any given point in time, any given point in history, how do we deal with us? How do people deal with each other? And at the end of the day, it all filters down back to love, whether it's injured love or a pure love or the kind of love, because there aren't kinds of love, but the kind of life that we live that is designed ultimately to bring us to love. Even when we say, oh, no, that has nothing to do with it, at the end of the day, it all goes back to love. The way we are loved and how it's affected us is the first thing we think about when we wake up and the last thing we think about before we go to bed. loving our very own souls creates the life that we want is when we are aware of the fact and acknowledge the fact that we are affected very deeply by how we feel about ourselves. And as easy as that sounds, because we were taught that whatever we have going on in our heads, that we can conceal that and do what is expected of us. And every time we think we kind of veered off and we grew away from it, we get another challenge that brings us close to it, don't we? That says, oh, well, let's see how deep your self-awareness can go and can grow. And we all have the same time to do it while we're here. Not time like time of day, but this is it. We came here to do that, and so we're doing it. Now, we're going to live no matter how we decide 
that we're going to live our lives until we're done. So if we put self-love in the mix, the big new trend, I love that it's a new trend. It's been going on in my brain since Christ said those words to me, and I had no idea how I would love myself. And so many people tell us that they can teach us, but it's something we actually have to learn one experience at a time. But how do we do that? How do we acknowledge that part of us that we have been taught to hide under the rug? And how does it affect the decisions that are our strongest and biggest life movers and shakers how do we do that? We can say self-compassion and self-acceptance all we want. But how do you feel that? What does that look like? So I thought, you know, let me look up, just look up. What is the soul? Because Christ calls it a soul. I've called it a soul. Every time we say in Arabic, it's called roh, meaning soul. So everybody has a word for it. So there has to be some kind of strength behind it. Even if we just made that word up, words are insignificant compared to what we know, even if we never had words. So I found that at the bottom and the end of it, it says, the soul just refers to the core of your being. That was one definition. And I thought that's one definition that may or may not serve all, but it is it is the depth of us. You can call it that. You can call it, it's like people calling God different names, the source or a higher being of some kind or whatever we call it, God, because now we all know what we're talking about. So we need to be able to communicate. But it is impossible for us to feel happy and suppress our spirit, our soul. Our minds need to constantly feed our soul. And when we can't feel that depth in us, our lives start to feel meaningless to us. Even if that depth is anger, we still feel a meaning to our lives in a way to correct that anger or figure it out or face it one day. But it's an energy all in itself, just like love, because all anger is is injured love. Still love, like Christ said. Everything is still love. Even if it's injured love, it's still love. But our mind nourishes our soul, and it brings about our consciousness to connecting to the inside of us. Because think about it. You think about doing something, and there's high level of consequences that come with it. A lot of risk, emotional risk. You're going to put yourself out there. You're going to try something new. And our mind can listen to our ego and say, why should you try that? You've done that before. 
why are you going to do that again? You're just going to fail like you did before. And, you know, it has its little taste. But then you say, but I've always listened to that voice and nothing equals nothing. I just heard this expression, you know, why do people rob a bank? Because that's where the money is. Why do people keep feeling like something's missing when they can't feel their depth? Because that's where you are. That original you. That's where you start to feel that happy feeling like, wow, no matter what's in there, that's me. That's that's me. And and I can deal with that. That grows into, wow, when I went through that, I really did have a hard time. But I did a great job because I got out of it. I grew out of it. I challenged myself out of it. I argued my way out of it and found my argument. Why I needed to talk that way, why I needed to face it that way. And then when you can say that kind of truth to yourself, then you can take it another step because now you're feeling that power, that power that knows that you can overcome. And then you start to say, well, now I'm going through something similar but different. It's a challenge that's similar but different. Different in that I'm older now. I want different things now from what I think of my life as is different. So how can I get through this? And I always say that a year from now, I may not remember the issue, but I will remember my awareness of the issue. For those of you who heard this story, bear with me, but I have to tell it. There was a woman at the church where I taught Sunday school, and she was 88 at the time. She is now 91 years old fully functioning, running all over the place, drives a car everywhere, loves to drive the freeways. I mean, she's amazing. But when she was 88, we had a breakfast together. And she was just talking about her life. You know, she had four kids. She got divorced when people weren't getting divorced. She was a school teacher all her life, retired, remarried at 50, I went to her 90th birthday party. Both her and her husband had a 90th birthday party and a 40 years together birthday party in the same year. It was one of those that probably once in my lifetime I would attend. But when she was 88, we were at breakfast. And she said to me, you know, Nadia, when I was 33 or 34, I tried to kill myself. And my my husband found me. I had already done it, and I was dying, and he found me, and they took me to a hospital, and obviously 
things worked out because I'm here. And I'm like, you tried to kill yourself? Why? And she said to me, I can't remember why. I know I must have been upset about something. I remember doing it, but I can't remember why. And when she said that, I was like, you know, when you when the brakes hit, I was like, eh! all the way to the end. I couldn't believe it. Those are the moments that we remember why. But after 53, 54 years, which is almost my entire lifetime, didn't matter. That she could not even remember why. She taught me more in that breakfast about how soon this shall pass and what that means, means. When our soul starts to feel empowered, the powerless moments become manageable and teachers, obviously. And you, you're not only happy after that, because happiness isn't jumping up and down. It's a content feeling. It's a very quiet, subtle feeling. But you also begin to strive and thrive to spread the good news. You start wanting to help people. You start wanting to be part of life in a different way because now you're not putting conditions on life. That expectation that ruins everything. You're able to participate and enjoy without adding extra pressure of fear, doubt, worry, control, or guilt onto whatever it is you're doing. Because those are like layers, right? You start adding them and then they create all this ego business and you start making different kinds of decisions. And a lot of times we'll, when our self-worth or self-esteem is low, we tend to participate more in like really high-risk behaviors. We do kind of dumb things because we need attention. But the attention we really need is from us to us. But when we don't know that yet, we try to get it from outside of us. So going back to the whole topic of how loving our own soul creates the life we want, she got to go through totally wanting to take herself out to this person who blossomed after 70 in her life. She just blossomed. great care of herself. Her hair is always done. She's always dressed. She's so put together. And she's a sign of her generation where the shoes match the purse, match the belt, the whole thing. Because that's 
her baseline for thriving and striving. For people today, it's actually interacting. I notice there's, in at least my area, more groups that want to get together. There's an app called Nextdoor, and everyone talks on it all day, and if anyone sees anything suspicious or anyone sees anything this or that, it's all there. It's so cool. They ask for, you know, do you know a good plumber? Do you know a good handyman? What would be the best place to go get this done? Does anyone know an eye doctor? All that kind of stuff. When we start reaching out, when we start looking for each other, it's when we feel like we looked for ourselves, found ourselves. So what happens? How do you get to love your soul? Starts with doing what makes your soul happiest. That woman remembered a lot of great happy times. But somehow, the reason she tried to kill herself wasn't one of them. It was a pivotal point in her life. But the fact that she couldn't remember why tells you how far she has healed. It wasn't blocked out because it was a traumatic experience. She, she spoke about it with almost this loving compassion for the person that she was at that time. But making your soul happy gives you the baseline to take greater risks in the direction of self-love. Because self-love is an ever-evolving thing. Loving our soul, accepting our stand in life, takes us from starving our soul to feeding our soul. So what are you going to feed it? What is the quality that you're going to put in there? And I, I remember when, and this was prior to seeing Christ, but very close to seeing him because I was already writing to God by then. I was already in trouble in my marriage. I was already having to realize that, wow, man, if I do this, for the rest of my life, I think I'm going to die here because I stopped eating, I stopped talking, and the only love I felt was my children. I remember that so clearly. I like keep remembering this purple, uh, like a light purple um, workout, heavy clothing. It wasn't like the leggings we have now and, and layers of that and my hair in a bun. Like that's, I just remember that image because... I was always so cold, and I felt lonely inside and sad, like my heart broke. I didn't feel anger, or I didn't feel resentful or bitter or needy. I felt just like I was conserving my energy. I don't know for what, just to survive, because I was starving my soul. The happiness that I had inside, I couldn't feel outside anymore. My environment wasn't allowing for that happiness to have a home, and I knew it. 
And so I had to turn it off. And when I turned off the happiness, I felt very lonely. And I didn't want to be around friends. I didn't want to be around other people because I couldn't handle any more energy than my own at the time. But I do remember the very day my husband said, I want, and he spelled out the word divorce. And I agreed with him, and I, I literally fell to the ground. Just fell. I was already weak enough. I was under 100 pounds at the time, and I just, I just didn't have the stamina. But when I agreed with him, I knew I wasn't kidding. Because I never agreed with him before, and he's been threatening me with that for years. But one thing happened when that happened. When I fell to the ground, and I, I can't remember if it was during the fall, because those usually happen pretty quick, or while I was on the ground. But I saw the contents of my life go down this white, it looked like those uh, twisty water slides, you know, that you go down before you go into a pool, but they're, they're like a vortex or loops around. It was white. And I saw all the contents of my life to that day go down that slide. And then all I could see was, this completely clean slate of white slide. And in that moment, because when you pass out, I wasn't unconscious. I just passed out. I could hear, and I could hear pretty loud everything that was going on around me, which I, I don't even know if I can repeat it, but only because it's just so sad. But while I was there, I remember just thinking, wow, anything that comes back into my life, it will be with my hand. Nobody's running my life anymore. I even saw being Muslim go down. I saw my traditions go down. I saw everybody's voice in my head go down. It was gone. And that was the beginning, which I didn't realize yet, and I hadn't seen Christ yet, of how responsible we are for what comes in us. Every little experience I had was a door opener after that because I started to look at life as, why did I choose this? Can I bring that into my world? Because even though I had that moment, I still had to obviously wake up from what just happened and face what was in front of me and go through it even though I knew that. But I made a decision that once all that settled 
and on its way to being settled, I'm not going to fight back. Because I gave him back his energy that day without knowing that that's what I did. I saw my life clean itself out, and he was part of the slide. He was part of the things that rolled down that slide. Enough was enough. And that did make my soul happy. In the scariest of times, I also knew that nobody is there to make me suppress my happiness. Not even me. I no longer had to turn that part of me off because my surroundings could not withstand it. I was able to radiate happiness, enjoy life, make powerful choices like getting divorced. Even though he was asking, I got blamed by him for the divorce because I really did it. He did not mean it. I became very grateful for my time back. Because all my time was spent being shut down. I started to realize that the gifts I had were gifts instead of things I had to do. Like my children. Finding a job that gave me flexibility to raise them and the money to raise them. The fact that at the end of the day, we were all in the kitchen together. I would thank God for those things. Because I got to enjoy them again. So the process of our very own soul being loved by us created the life that allowed my soul to love myself. And at the end of the day, that's the life that we want. Because the first thing we think about and the last thing we think about is love. And when we're not doing that, I don't care what kind of house we're surrounded by, what kind of car our body goes inside of and we drive off, what kind of clothes we wear, how great we may think we are or not, all that fades to black. And before we go to bed at night, we may think of the person that we hugged that day and how good that felt. Telling our children a story and seeing them be such a captive audience talking to a friend and solving something through your conversation with them or for them. Organizing your surroundings so that you feel like you're a part of your surroundings. 
That's the compassion. That's what that looks like. That's how self-love anchors us. And then all the other stuff comes and goes. And in 50 years, I may not remember a lot. But those moments we look each other in the eyes, I've, I've not forgotten till now. Good, bad, or indifferent. I may not remember even at times where it happened. So I remember that person. We have only love. And because of love, we want to tell the truth. Even when we can't, we want to. We want to recapture the innocence we had as a child. Because we're always that child. Our body grows older, and even that may surprise us. but our mind doesn't know the difference. Understanding that you are the gift. Your life is the gift. And when our heart speaks to us, not to ignore it. To ask questions, to take care of ourselves, to keep a balance, to control our reactions because there may be times we do get upset and we want to lash out. Being happy comes from everyday moments and actions that go back to love. Guys, my time is up. I will see you tomorrow on Relationship Wednesday. Have a great Tuesday. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.